Rich, my name's Matt. Love worshiping with y'all. Uh, third through fifth graders, you can go now. Um, first, I just wanted to say, you know, our We Heart Boon stuff, the stuff we're doing in, in the community, isn't just a Joey thing. Um, it's a Stonebridge thing. It's a Matt thing. It's a, uh, our elders, our leaders, um, because we truly love this community and want to bless this community. So one of the things, major things that we actually do uh, that I don't think you even mentioned uh, was Trunk or Treat that happened this past week. I saw a bunch of you there. It was a good time. What I loved, I don't know if you noticed, noticed it, but every, every trunk and every organization was something that we can wholeheartedly go, yeah, they are a blessing to Boone. So I, I love that about it. We're not, just, we're not just doing stuff and saying, yeah, we're being a blessing. Like, we're, we're, we're really trying to bless this community in fun ways and engaging ways. And so, Joey, thanks for your leadership in that. But, um, but yeah, we're excited to continue to bless this community um, and reach this community for Jesus. So this morning, we're going to be in Philippians, and we're going to look at verses uh, 18 to to 26, so you can start flipping there or, or turn into it on your app. But before we do that, I just want to pull over for a couple minutes. I was mowing my lawn about a week ago, hopefully for the last time this season, amen? Okay. <laughs> mowing my lawn, and as I usually do when I'm mowing my lawn, I'm listening to a podcast of some sort, and today I was feeling a little holier, so I wasn't listening to Business Wars but I was listening to a sermon, and I was listening to a sermon by one of my favorite pastors, Louis Giglio. He's at a church down in Atlanta. And he was talking about mental health and suicide. Now, I worked in youth ministry for several years. I've walked through some really dark times with some people. I know the gravity and the weight of mental illness and, and how widespread it is in our culture. But Louis shared how he was at this conference with students. And there was 4,000 students there. And these are probably mostly Christian kids, right? If you're going to a Christian conference. Okay, not all, but probably mostly youth group type kids, right? So there they are. 4,000 of them, and he feels led by God. He's like, I don't, I've never done this before, but I just feel led by the Holy Spirit to, to throw this out there, that, that there's someone here that has written a suicide note. Written how you're going to do it. You have it back at home. He's like, I just wanted you to know that you're not the only one who knows about that note. Jesus knows about that note, and he really cares about you and loves you and wants to walk with you. And throwing that thing away and walking with him. And I want to help you with that, Louis says. And so he has them bow their heads, close their eyes. And he's like, if you're that person, I want to help you out. Jesus wants to help you out. Raise your hand. 4,000 students there. 200 students raised their hand. Okay, this isn't 200 students struggling with anxiety or depression. This is beyond that. 200 students who, by, by any measurement that I've ever seen are in the worst case scenario possible suicide. They have a plan. If they have a plan, then, then we know it's really serious. Or that's one of the markers, right? And I don't know the math there. Okay. Never been that great at it. But that's a lot. 
So I listened to that, and then this week, tragically, a, a junior hire goes to the Boone schools, took their own life. And if you're affected at all by that, I, I'm sorry, and I would love to be there for you. We would love to be there for you as a church. Um, I, I know a lot of people in our church who struggle with anxiety, struggle with depression, and even suicidal thoughts. And I, I just want to tell you that I'm here for you. And so are we as a church. I don't know what that's like. I'm not going to pretend to know what that's like. But I do really care about you. And I know the one who can help you, Jesus. So if you're struggling, get help. It's okay to not be okay. And if you're not struggling, join me in helping this be a safe place for people who are. What's my, I can't do it on my own. I can't, I can't just stand here, up here and say this is a safe place, open up, and do that by myself. Won't make it a safe place. You guys can, though. You know, even the title of this series, Choose Joy, might sound kind of oversimplistic to you if you're really struggling with mental illness. I know these points, maybe even some of the points we've made thus far in Philippians could come across as unhelpful. And if that's true of you, if you've thought that, you probably need help. And that's okay. It's okay to need help. We all need help. We all need help at points in our lives. And we certainly all need help all the time from Jesus. The solution, though, I know is Jesus. But you need more than just a sermon or showing up on Sunday morning. You need Jesus through help in a lot of different ways. From, from other people encouraging you, speaking into your life. Maybe from a doctor, from a counselor. Cornerstone Church of Ames that planted our church just started a counseling center, a Christian counseling center. Over in Ames. It's, it's by Perfect Game, so it's, it's actually not that far from us. There are resources there. I, wa- I want to help you. So, I invite you, if, if that's you, get, get some help today. We're going to turn our attention to Philippians. And we're going to turn our attention to the solution, not just to mental illness, but to everything, but to all the problems in our world, and that's Jesus. And so here's where we're going. Here's, here's the big idea. We need to choose joy in Jesus alone. Choose joy in Christ alone. So let's pick up in verse 18 at the end. It says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verses 18 through 20. Paul's essentially saying, hey, choose joy in Christ, not deliverance. Choose joy in Christ, not deliverance. He starts there at the end of 18. Yes, and I will rejoice. But what's the root of Paul's joy? Is it deliverance from jail? No, it is not. 
At first reading, it looks like it. And that certainly would bring him hope, right? The anticipation of me getting out of jail. Anyone that's in jail is hoping they get out of jail, right? And certainly would bring some joy. And he definitely desired that. He even lays out a guide if you need deliverance from something for us, right? In verse 19, get the prayer of other people and the help of the Holy Spirit. That is awesome. That is fantastic. We should do that. But this word deliverance is translated often in Philippians and in the whole New Testament as salvation. So Paul is talking about that I will be saved, that this will turn out for my salvation. I will be saved from my circumstances, yes, from jail sometime. Notice he doesn't say when. Sometime, someday, it might even be by his own death going to heaven, but he's going to be saved from jail someday. But it's more than that. He's going to be saved from his sinful tendency to honor himself over Jesus. And he's going to be saved to being more Christ-like. Not necessarily saved from jail, jail. And here's how I know that. Look at verse 20. What is his eager expectation and hope? Not that he would be delivered from prison. If that's what he was talking about, he said, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will get out of here. Because this is prison. This is terrible so that I can be with you guys. But he doesn't do that. Here's his eager expectation and hope. It's essentially, at the end of verse 20, it's that Christ would be honored. That Jesus would be honored in my life. I don't care if I'm delivered from jail. That would be nice. I don't even care if I'm delivered from death. I don't care if it even gets worse than this here on earth. Christ be honored. The root of his joy. His highest joy is that Jesus would be honored in his life, whether by life or death. So for us, is our joy found in Christ or is it found in deliverance that Christ could give us? Now, it's natural, right? It's natural when we're suffering, when life is difficult, when we're going through trials for us to just go, God, take this away from me. The psalmist do that. I think that's good and right and helpful to do that, by the way. But, who is your God in the middle of trials? Christ or deliverance? Christ or what Christ can do for you? It may be precisely the suffering that you are going through that's delivering you from your selfish self. He might be saving you from treating Jesus like a gumball machine. Do you know what I'm talking about? We all do it, right? Where we go, Jesus, I'm in a really hard situation. Here's a quarter. Turn it. Can you get me out of it? Thank you. That's great. I'll see you later, Jesus. We'll talk again next time I need something. You know what I'm saying? We all kind of tend to operate in that from time to time, especially when life is difficult. God, just save me from this. You're, you're my savior, right? Save me from this. And, and God's just like, well, yeah, I will. But I, I need to teach you some stuff here. It's more important that Jesus, that I am honored in your life right now through this than for you to be pain-free. People ask, if God is so good, then why did he take my spouse from me? 
If God is so good, why did he give me this chronic debilitating pain? If God is so good, why did he put me in such financial hardship? And those are real questions. But I'm wondering if you have room in your theology or your view of God. That's what theology is, the study of God. Do you have room in your theology for him to not always deliver you or relieve you from your pain? Paul had that in his theology. Look at the end of verse 20. That Christ would be honored whether by life or by death. He's saying, even if I'm not delivered from the ultimate pain, at least here on earth, death, Christ be honored. The honor of Christ was greater to Paul than his very own life. So do you have room in your theology, your view of God, for him to not always deliver you and relieve you from pain? Because it might be, in fact, the the hard stuff that God has put in your life, the pain even that he's put in your life, or at least allowed in your life, that he's using to make him more precious to you. And in so doing, it's what actually produces the most joy in us. Choose joy in Christ, not deliverance. See, Christ has the power to deliver you from whatever you're going through right now. Christ will deliver you, if not here, in eternity with Him, if you are a follower of His. Christ is walking with you through the pain. He gets it. Okay, I don't want you to hear me say these things. Wow, that's pretty harsh. God, at the same time, Jesus at the same time is walking with you. He gets it. He understands. That's what Christmas is all about, right? He became a man, experienced pain and loss like us. Christ is comforting you in the process. He gets it. And Christ is the source of true joy. Deliverance is not. Can't help but think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And they decide that they are going to continue to worship Yahweh, the true God, even though if they don't, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And, and when the king comes to them, King Nebuchadnezzar comes to them, they say, you know what? God is able to deliver us from this fire, King Nebuchadnezzar. But even if he doesn't, we will burn. Choose joy in Christ, not deliverance. Secondly, choose joy in Christ not reputation. Choose joy in Christ, not reputation. And there's, there's notes. I forgot to mention this at the beginning. There's, if you like fill-in-the-blank notes, that's, that's in your bulletin. If you're into that thing, if you're not, I'm not offended. So, um, but the second blank is reputation. The first blank was deliverance. There you go. Um, but verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So I want to hone in on the part about not being ashamed and being full of courage. Paul's other eager expectation and hope, um, besides Christ being honored, although this is a Christ-honoring thing, is to not be at all ashamed and be full of courage. So what or who would Paul be tempted to be ashamed of is the natural question for us. And I think... It's two general things. First, he would be tempted to be ashamed of his circumstance. He's in prison. Okay? 
even to this day, being in jail is a shameful thing. People, people aren't excited to tell their friends, hey, I'm in jail. Because what are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Are they going to abandon me, right? I can imagine Paul having the same thing. He's in prison. What are, what are my followers, my friends? What are these Philippians whom I'm even writing to? What are they going to think about me? What if they abandon me? And the other thing that he would be tempted to be ashamed of is, is Jesus. With the judges, with the rulers that he's testifying to, we see that in the book of Acts, King Agrippa and Festus and others. If I, if I open up my mouth about Jesus, which he does and did, but, but if I continue to do that, will I be punished more severely? I mean, this is a real fear, right? What if I end up not getting out of jail because I open my, up my mouth about Jesus? Will, will they write me off as crazy and throw me in a loony bin? Like, what, what is going to happen to me, right? But how did Paul choose joy in Jesus and not be ashamed and be full of courage? Well, I think it's found in this word courage. So Greek, Koine Greek is the original language of the New Testament. That word for courage literally means bold public speaking. Okay, so it's not just like this inner, like, I'm going to have a heart of a lion. Okay, that's good. But it's like an outward thing that's shown very specifically through speaking boldly in public. So Paul does this, obviously, in this letter of Philippians, with the Philippians. And assuredly, he had other people who visited him. Remember, he's in like a house, uh, like a house arrest situation. So people would come visit him and he would boldly proclaim to them Jesus. But he would also do it with the rulers who are deciding his own case. He decides to, to not be ashamed and be full of courage and speak up regardless of how it's going to affect his reputation and the outcome of his situation. But notice this. The only part of Paul's reputation that he cared about was that Christ would be honored. I don't care what my followers and friends think about me being in prison. I don't care what the judges, the rulers think of me and decide because of it. Here's the secret of choosing joy. And he has a lot of them in this book. But I think this is, this is a big one. Here's the secret of choosing joy. And it's not saying that what others think about me doesn't matter. Okay, so my point, even that I gave you, choose joy in Christ, not reputation, is maybe a little wrong. Maybe greater than reputation would be a better Word, But here's the secret. It's not saying that what other people think about me doesn't matter. No, it's saying that the only thing that people think about me that matters is, do they think about me as an unashamed follower of Jesus? That's what I care about. That's what Paul's saying. This is what I care about. That no matter what else they think about me, I don't care. But, but if this person and that person and that person that I rub shoulders with today, if they don't understand that Jesus is all that matters to me, what am I doing with my life? See, reputation actually does matter, but it only matters in one thing, and that actually is a secret to choosing joy. So what is your reputation with others? based off of what you boldly say. Are you known as Matt, the unashamed Democrat? Are you known as Matt, the unashamed Republican? Are you known as Matt, the unashamed Kansas City Chiefs fan? Are you known as Matt, the unashamed weather reporter or complainer? 
maybe this week especially. Uh, Matt, the unashamed stir of controversy on social media. Matt, the unashamed air of opinion on just about anything, even if I know people don't want to hear it. See, perhaps we lack joy. Perhaps you and I lack joy because we care too much about what others think of us and not enough about what they think of Christ in us. What's your reputation with others based off of what you don't boldly say? Those of you who are more quiet, maybe a bit more introverted, thought you were off the hook for a second. Sorry. Here's the thing. Courage here, remember, it's bold public speaking. Being quiet doesn't get you off the hook. You think I'm good just because I'm quiet? No, Paul's saying the main way that Christ is honored is through courageous, unashamed opening of your mouth about Jesus. So who, maybe you're known as this. Um, Matt, I'm not really sure what he even cares about because he doesn't say much. Matt, he goes to church? He, he believes in Jesus? Matt, he, he seems not to even care about me because he doesn't really talk to me much. See, silence can be deafening. Do you know what I'm saying? Perhaps you lack joy because you care so little about what others think of you that others don't even know or see or hear about Christ in you. Choose joy in Christ more than your reputation. Thirdly, choose joy in Christ, not comfort. Verses 21 to 23. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better so he says, verse 21, to live is Christ. What does that mean? You know, you see that on postcards and knitted on sweaters. And I, actually, I don't know if I've seen it knitted on sweaters. It's probably true. But you see, to live is Christ. Verse 21, flip it. Christ is life. Christ is my life. That's what it means. He is my joy. He is my peace. He is my purpose. My life is all about Jesus, all about honoring Jesus, finding my joy in him alone. We're going to talk about that more in a moment, what that means to, to live as Christ. But let's go to the next part. To live as Christ, to die is gain. Well, if Christ is your life, then death only makes me more alive. Why? Because then I'll be with Jesus in the fullest way possible. Paul, we see here, verse 23, is actually eager for death. He says, my desire is to depart. But... He's, he's eager for death, but he's not eager or fascinated with death itself. That's really important. Especially with what I started with today. He's not eager for death because he's fascinated with death itself, but because he's fascinated with Jesus. Christ is his greatest desire. And death is just a means to him more fully. So he's eager for death, but he's not fascinated with death. He's eager for death, but he's not afraid of death either. 
He's wrestling between the two here. How? How is he wrestling between the two? Most of us, if we're honest, are scared of death in some way, shape, or form. But he's not because he's convinced to his core of the gospel that Jesus came as a man, lived a perfect life in my place because I'm a messed up sinner, died a brutal death on a cross and rose from the dead. And now I have believed in him. So nothing can separate me from him. Paul had that in his core, in his bones, right? So he's not afraid of death. That's how he can wrestle between the two. He's, he's eager for it. My desire is to be with Jesus. And you don't have to be afraid of death either. Believe in him. Follow him. It's that simple. But that profound. And that life changing. He's eager for death. But he's not primarily eager for the comfort of a painless heaven. He's eager for death, but he's not primarily eager for the comfort of a painless heaven. That's a great perk, right? There's going to be no more tears. It's going to be fantastic. But comfort is not Paul's God. Jesus is Paul's God. John Piper says this, The critical question for our generation, and for every generation, is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you, you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? And I would agree. That is the critical question for us. Is Christ your comfort? Or is heavenly comfort your Christ? Paul's eager for death. But he's not hoping death will hold off so he can enjoy earthly comfort some more either. Notice he mentions nothing of his desires here on earth. He, he's like, well, I just hope this turns... I, I can stay so that it'd be fruitful labor for me. What's labor? Work. Okay, that's not the most motivating thing for most people. Work, right? Certainly doesn't sound too appealing, but he genuinely desires Jesus more than earthly comfort. So he's like, if I have to stay and continue to labor and work for Jesus, I will do that. He genuinely desires Jesus more than earthly comfort. So what earthly comforts are you hoping death holds off for, for you? I think we've all been there through, through my lifetime. It's been different as I walk along, and I'm sure it'll change as well, right? So I'm in high school, and I'm like, man, Jesus, you can come back, but just wait till that Star Wars Episode Three comes out. I mean, that's what it was for me, literally. Um, it, yeah, he should have just come, but... Um, there it was, right? There's Star Wars Episode 3. But, uh, and now for maybe you high schoolers, it's Episode 9. I don't know. Maybe you're not really into that. But whatever. It, it changes as you go along. And then I'm like, God, you can come back, but you just got to wait until I'm married, right? I just, I got, I got to be married. And now it's like, well, I got some kids. If you just wait till my kids graduate from high school, if you'd wait till I walk my little girl down the aisle, then we'd be good. And I'm sure it will change too. Yeah, till I can meet my grandkids. And then see them graduate and, and see them get married. All, you know, I'm sure it'll just continue to change and morph. 
And they're all great desires, right? All those, those things are good gifts from God, but they become dangerous when they become greater than our desire for Christ. So, is Christ your comfort or are earthly comforts your Christ? Last point, verses 24 to 26, choose joy in Christ, not self. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. In these verses, Paul is living out what he just said. This is his living example of honoring Jesus or to live as Christ. My Christ is my life. And simply put, those verses are others focused. He's choosing joy in Christ, not self. And he's saying, here's another secret to choosing joy. Choosing joy is actually found in choosing joy in others. It's found in bringing joy to other people. Verses 24 to 26, you see you or yours five times in there. And every time he says, I, me, or my, it has to do with the Philippians, not himself. How does Paul focus on the Philippians and not himself? Well, we see verse 24. He concludes that it's better to delay his greatest desire, Christ. Why? So he can stay in his crummy circumstances. So he can stay in jail. It's for the Philippians' benefit. See, the the mindset of to live is me says, you know what? I, I want my desires first. And if Paul was living like that here, he would have been more concerned. Yes, it's more necessary for me to stay in the flesh for my account so that I can continue to, to be the big man in the, in the known world right now. The people that come and consult me about Jesus so that I can grow. But no, his mindset is not to live as me, it's to live as Christ. He says, their needs come before my desires. Even my good godly desires, these Philippians' needs, come before mine. Verse 25, he continues, he's staying there for their progress and joy in the faith. If he had this mindset of to live is me, he would say, no, my progress, my time is what matters. My joy is what matters. But no, he says he has the mindset of to live is Christ. So he says, no, their progress is my progress. And if you've walked with Jesus long enough, you start to understand this, right? The more you walk with Jesus, the more you understand that your progress or your growth in Christ-likeness actually comes through helping others progress or become more like Christ. Not just my growth, but it is about my growth too. As I help you, as I help you, as I help you, here's what happens. I actually become more like Jesus. Because he wasn't about himself. He was about others. Jesus had all the right to be all about himself when he was here on earth, right? He's God, but he wasn't. Washed his disciples' feet. So perhaps you feel so stagnant and joyless because you're not involved in helping other people grow. 
Verse 26, Paul wanted his coming to the Philippians be for what? It says, for ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. That means to give them more reason to boast in Jesus. The mindset of to live is me says, see how faithful I am. Philippians, look at how faithful I've been to Jesus. I was just in prison. I've gone through all these hard things for Jesus. But to live as Christ says, no, see how faithful Jesus has been. Let me let me step back. See how faithful he's been to me and to you. Let's let's praise him. Choose joy in Christ, not self. One final thought for you. In verse 20, that word honored, which really, if, if you're into like uh, marking up your Bibles, um, just circle that, that phrase, that Christ would be honored. That is, that is the central point of this passage. Christ would be honored. But that word honored means to magnify. Your joy comes through magnifying Christ. And that sounds cool. But here's what it means. So many of us walk around in life, especially with, when it comes to joy, even joy from God. But, but, but just in general, walk around like empty cups and go, yeah, you know, God, if you could just fill me up today again, that would be great. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is an essence in which we, there is a sense in which we need to be filled up by Jesus. We're commanded to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So there is something to that. But I think... Some of us, and myself included, sometimes we get in this mindset of this empty cup just walking around, fill me up, fill me up, little lost puppy. When I think we're called to, in this passage and throughout Scripture, to be more like telescopes. Okay, the, the cup says, fill me up, fill me up, it's all about me. But the telescope, you look at it and you focus it in on a star and you go, wow, that was incredible. And then you go, you, you've got to see this. Did you, Look at this star. And so, for us, we need to gaze at our beautiful, gracious, wonderful, loving Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and just go, wow. And then turn and be the lens in which other people see Jesus. Then we're not walking around going, oh, fill me up. Yes, you get filled up when you gaze at Jesus. That fills you with joy. But you don't just sit there and wait to be filled up again. No, you are now a lens in which people can see Jesus. And Christ is honored in your life. Choose joy by acting less like an empty cup walking around. And way more like a telescope that's magnifying Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. God... I pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to do just that, to be telescopes. God, forgive us for all the times where we've, even with good intentions, have just been more about ourselves, filling ourselves up and less about being filled up so that we can show you to others. I pray, God, that the things that I said today if they were good and helpful to people, that they would stick in their heads and point them to your words in Philippians, Jesus, not mine, and things that were 
said that weren't that helpful, that they would be erased from our memories and we would just be pointed back to your words here in Philippians, God. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Pray this in your powerful name, Jesus.